Hi, everyone, and thanks for tuning in again into the Naturally Nino podcast. I am so excited um, to present my new guest to you guys. She is incredible. Her name is Ashley Sperber, and she is an intuitive transformation coach that inspires her clientele to achieve balance through mindful nourishment. In her private practice, Ashley combines her skilled training along with her developed intuition to create personalized programs that facilitate her clients' transformations. After earning her bachelor's degree at UNH, Ashley has been certified in integrative nutrition, aromatherapy, Western herbalism, emotional freedom technique, vinyasa yoga, and is now even a Reiki master. Ashley's intuitive abilities enable her to target the root cause of imbalances in the body and how to support others in their healing journey. She believes that once we break free of the holding patterns we confine ourselves to, we can live a freeing and fulfilling existence with others and each other. Ashley, I am so happy to have you on today. Um, Do you want to say hi to everyone? Hello. Thank you for having me on today. It's an honor to be chatting with you. I'm very excited. I am beyond excited as well. This has been long overdue. (laughs) We have um, been playing, I would say, uh, not phone tag in a way, but podcast tag, (laughs) trying to figure out um, a time that would work with our schedules. But I'm glad that we were able to make it work. And I think that you have so much insight. into the health industry and also a lot of experience working in this industry as well as with clients. And I know you have a personal story as well of what, you know, inspired you to kind of go down this path. And I would really love to hear from you um, a little bit more about like your background and what did you do before all this? Yeah, that's a very good loaded question, so I hope you're ready for the answer. (laughs) (laughs) I think we're ready. Um, So I was very inspired by my journey of lacking in health, um, which I know is very linear to how you got into this industry, and I Mm -hmm. appreciate so very much um, how we came out on the other side of it, um, which I think is really cool. I, I find that most individuals who get into our industry either came from a lineage of very healthy um, inspirational uh, predecessors. And then there are people mm-hmm. like us who came from eating like garbage and were very inspired to get on on the on the right trajectory based off of not feeling well anymore from mm-hmm. the former lives that we had. So growing up, um, food was definitely a drug that I abused. Uh, it was my first vice for sure. I think that just in my family and with a lot of families in all cultures, we, you know, congregate over food and it, it's something that we indulge in, whether we're happy or we're sad or celebrating or we're mourning, whatever it is, it's like food's always there. And 100%. Yeah. And like our parents didn't know any better. I mean, nutrition still isn't something that's a very widely known and explored thing in our society. So certainly back when um, we were putting lots of chemicals in food and getting addicted at, at a young age, I just... Um, got very unhealthy, was overweight, had really bad acne, 
And mm-hmm. uh, it wasn't until I was in college that I started to recognize the fact that food could be medicine. Um, I studied nutrition a little bit while I was in college, but um, I, I honestly had a whole lifetime in my 20s of just working in the hospitality industry, which is a very volatile and toxic industry to work in um, with the hours being as late as they are. I first started mm-hmm. um working in restaurants. My biggest aspiration was to be a chef. Honestly, I I love food that much that I I wanted to pursue a career in that, in that path. And, um, eventually I just, I I woke up when I was about 29 years old, I I had trans transitioned into, uh, not just working in restaurant restaurants, but working into nightlife. And that was really because I just thoroughly enjoyed partying and it was an easy, (laughs) just being fully transparent here. Um, I mean, who didn't at some point? Of course. I, there's no shame at all in that, honestly. Um, but it was just an easy transition from being in, in restaurants to being, um, a nightclub manager because I had the experience was, which was, um, relatively close. And, uh, once I got to being a a nightlife manager, I mean, it went from being up to like two, three in the morning to being up till seven o'clock in the morning. And that's when my body really started to take a toll. And I, and I became orthorexic, um, which is, uh, for those of your audience that don't know, is like Mm -hmm. an obsession with being healthy. So I was always obsessing over being skinny and working out as much as I could still not knowing that, um, my gut health was, it was at risk. Um, right. yeah, I mean, when you're partying a lot, you're really putting a lot of damage on your, on on your digestive tract. So Oh my um, God. Well, I will attest to that because I have been there. And also I wanted to add, um, just to give everyone listening some, um, insight. When you say you were a nightlife manager, this is in New York city guys, correct. right? Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> like, so a very, uh, like, I want to make sure that we, um, kind of like make sure that we let people know that because New York city party life is a whole nother animal. It's a culture for sure. Yes. <laughs> that is for sure. So I was, I was living it up, but, um, I just, I knew that there was a greater calling to, to my purpose in life. And so I started to focus on, you know, the, the orthorexia and trying to, to clear that up. So I went back to school um, for integrative nutrition. And um, that's when I really started to understand the mind body spirit connection and really dive deeply into spirituality and, and understanding why I was so obsessed with with partying. And there, of course, there's nothing wrong with it. We should all experience that phase of our life. But it was my life. It wasn't a right. Problem. It was my life, right? So right. I needed to have a shift in my consciousness and my behavior. And and it was a tough thing to face because a lot of people were like, okay, how did you go from the biggest partier in the world to not the biggest, but one of them Um, (laughs) now being able to not only support your own well being and your transformation, but supporting other people because I had committed to a career path now based off of Mm -hmm. my own success in supporting others. And there was, there was a massive element of hypocrisy there. And I think it was, it was really that people just didn't understand that you could change like every, you're Mm -hmm. not the person that you were yesterday. So it's okay for us to evolve. In fact, it's encouraged. It's, it's, it's what we're here to do to grow and expand. So 
Um, I, I at first had a, a challenging time really establishing myself in New York from being a, a nightlife manager to being a health coach, but I made it happen. And, and that is a phase of my life that is long gone, especially now being a mom. So yeah, that's, that's, I'm complete with, with that part of the journey. Well, I think that is really a testament also to your character and who you are as a person, because it's, you know, nothing is impossible. And I think that what you said about if you really want to make it happen, you will make it happen. So if you are saying how, yeah, you know, you're in this scene and you want to get out and you want to change, but then you're not actually doing anything about it to change. Mm -hmm. It's because you actually don't really want to change. Exactly. You don't hate where you are bad enough that you want it to change because I do believe that the people that get into the health industry, to your point, what you were saying, where like you and me, for example, we don't come from very healthy, quote unquote, backgrounds. And not to say that our parents were doing the bad thing, right? Like Mm -hmm. they are just very invested into their cultures and in their cultures, food is life and food is everything and everything revolves around food. So, and they weren't educated in the same stuff that we know today. Sure. So they were doing what they were taught is the right thing to do. And as we got older, we started to realize that a lot of the issues that we were experiencing in our bodies was actually related to food. And it was just like this eye-opening experience. Um, however, I actually have a question for you. Sure. I, and I think, cause I think about this often and, you know, Yes, if you don't come from that background, right, like us, mm-hmm. what do you think it takes to really, really um, want to change? Do you think there's a certain, you know, line or do you think it's more of like a, it's very different for everyone? I, I absolutely think it's different for everyone. Um, I think that it there has to be a longing desire there. Um, mm-hmm. but, but that can be on a different scale for everyone because it's like, you have to want to be, it, there's a very fine line of crossing over that, that comfort zone. And it, that can be daunting for a lot of people. Like they're just, they can just never be ready for that leap. And so you have to honor what feels right for you. In my practice, I work with a lot of women who just reside on that, that comfort, that the edge of that comfort zone and are just so scared of what, what it may look like or feel like to step on the other side of things. Mm-hmm. Because it's a huge risk, you know, it's right. Just, you you want to stay as safe as possible. That's what our ego, whenever I'm working with people who are feeling like they're ready to embark on a transformation, but are, are too scared to actually do it. It's just that they are, their, their ego, their mind tells them to stay safe. It tells them Mm. to stay exactly where they are because that's what's familiar and what's comfortable to them. So on the other side of it is where all the magic happens. Um, there, there's actually in science, like with the neural pathways that are in our brain, um, that have been instilled there since birth. Um, we, we only do what is what is safe and familiar to us. And every time we take action against what we've already been familiarized with, then mm-hmm. the brain then allows us to explore 
safely new behavioral patterns, new thought patterns. And it, um, that, that's when we get the true excitement out of life. Like a, a, lot, a lot of times I'll talk with my clients about quote unquote being bad, you know, because <laughs> when, we're, when we're always following what we're supposed to do, then it, it becomes like mundane. And mm-hmm. so that's why we'll um, dip into like our vices, whether it be money or food or, you know, illicit substances, whatever it is, because it's just mm-hmm. we've done what we thought that we were supposed to do based off of our conditioning. Sorry, I just went on a major t- tangent there. No, I love that. I love that because it's just literally an example of how everything is so tied together. It's not just one thing, especially mm-hmm. when you're healing and changing and transforming, you can't just focus on one thing. Like you can't just focus on your body. You can't just focus on your mind. You can't just focus on your emotions because all those things are so heavily tied together. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The mind, body, spirit is connection is, is everything and no, and knowing and understanding how you operate because there's mechanics as a human being there. We are part of us are emotional and part of us are, are, are logical and every single human being's makeup is drastically different from the next. So that's why when we, when, so one of the things I'm constantly talking about with clients is like their trauma and how they've processed it and how it's made them be able to just function in life on a day to day, you know, so that it, you have to be, nurturing with yourself as much as possible as you do explore the realm of transformation, but it has to truly be a calling because that's the only thing that's going to pull you through to the other side. It has to be a massive sense of urgence and um, something bigger than you. It, it, it's mm-hmm. not an idea. It's, it's a calling. Well, what would you say to people that might not experience as many health problems and, you know, they appear overall healthy? And so oftentimes I have noticed um, they just continue to, let's say, eat what we would consider a little bit on on the unhealthier side Mm -hmm. uh, because the junk food doesn't necessarily affect them. Sure. And so they're not really experiencing those massive uh, pulls into from one direction to the other because eating cleaner seems more of like a chore to them because mm-hmm. they're not really struggling with any pain sure. eating junk food, let's say. Yeah, absolutely. It's really hard sometimes to get those individuals to act in the way that they, they should um, the only thing that I would invite them to do is to consider the family that they come from and what, what kind of pain and suffering they see that their, their, um, family members are experiencing or other loved ones that are close to them. I mean, when you come, it's, it's not, so, I mean, we could go on a whole tangent about epigenetics, um, <laughs> yes. it's something that I'm very passionate about. Um, epigenetics is a science that has been recently revered for understanding that you're you're not the pre-existing conditions from the lineage of your family does not determine what is going to happen to your health long term. It's actually a lot of environmental factors that affect your gene expression. Obviously, not the ones that are fixed, like your hair color, or your eye color, mm-hmm. or, or your height. 
but the things that like predetermine like that you're going to have diabetes or cancers that can change based off of what you're exposed to in your environment. And, um, so knowing that means that if you eat high quality food and if you're exposed to less toxins in your environment, you actually can have a better outcome than the, the, your parents or grandparents that came before you. Right. So Mm -hmm. it's really about understanding your level of self-respect and self-love and self-compassion because the way that you eat and the way that you conduct yourself on a day-to-day basis, your lifestyle is a representation of how you feel about yourself. So if you think that it's okay to regularly pollute your body, then that means you you definitely don't have the the honor, the self-love, the virtue that you should have in, in what your purpose is in, in this life. Like we all came here with an intention. It's not just come here, party and die. That's definitely right. not what. Which is party. kind of sad to be honest, because I think, especially with my generation, I feel like majority of people um, are really swayed into that lifestyle and also not wanting to leave it and treating it in a way, especially the way it's portrayed through social media and like, you know, celebrities and magazines and things like that, like that, that is the way to live. And that if you are partying every weekend, that means you are living the life and they're making it look cool. And I get really frustrated because just like you, I came from the party scene also. I didn't work in it, but I definitely participated (laughs) a lot. Um, And when I finally woke up and saw it for what it is, it was really scary. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to lie. Very, very scary because I almost had like this box over my head and I, it was foggy, you know, until I took the box off of my head and I could see clearer and I could see it for what it is. And all these, all that's happening is you're just using the drugs and the alcohol and, you know, everything else as a way to just numb your emotions. You're never actually dealing with anything, not to mention you're living during the nighttime. So you're not really experiencing the beauty of the world and thriving and just being high off of life itself. Of course. And not only that, one thing that's huge is obviously when you're working in nightlife, your circadian rhythm is completely thrown off. You know, we as Mm -hmm. uh, sentient beings, as human living beings, like we're, we're supposed to rise with the sun and, and sleep when it sets. I mean, that's just like, that's, we live based off of, you know, what the cycle of the sun itself, right? So if we're, mm-hmm. if we're in opposition uh, of, of the sun rising and setting, then we're actually depleting ourselves of, of an energy source significantly. Um, and then we just can't, you know, live optimally. Our, our health cannot metabolize, you know, our, our, with it, when, it, when we actually do consume the proper nutrition, we can't metabolize it properly because we're completely offset from the way that we should be sleeping and, and rising. So, um, yeah, circadian rhythm is huge. And one thing I wanted to also share that I, I know that you were curious about was, um, mm-hmm. how I even got into the, the health specifically, um, coming from 
uh, because now I'm a mother <laughs> and, and yes. what really prompted me to get my, my stuff together, my act together was that I, I had a, I had a very, very strong lingering desire to procreate, um, which okay. totally caught me out of left field, by the way. Um, when I turned 30 years old, I, it was like a switch flipped on in me and I all of a sudden was like, I want babies. And it was crazy. I never really? Yeah. It was totally hormonal. All my 20s. Wow. Like, I'm never going to have a, a family. I don't want kids. I'm <laughs> travel the world and do my thing. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, hormones are a really crazy, weird thing. And they, they really are. Yeah. So that was really the, the, the motive beyond, um, just like, oh, I wanted to like look and feel a little bit better. It was like, mm-hmm. okay, I, I got to clean this house up because it's got to pro- provide as a sustainable environment for a, a baby, you know? So that was really what catapulted me into this industry because it, I realized when I first started studying nutrition and I was giving programs to my clients to, you know, work out uh, specific regimens, you know, meal plans, things like that, they couldn't adhere to it because they didn't love and respect themselves. Remember the question that you had posed, like what about people who don't really see the results of eating bad yet? Um, Exactly. Yeah. So when I was working with, with clients who were in pain and and did were in discomfort and they still couldn't follow the programs, I recognized that it was more about them um, and their conditioning, like they just really Mm. never saw themselves as worthy individuals that, um, should behave differently, should eat properly, should work out, should nourish themselves in in a loving manner. So that's why I ended up getting certified in, in other, um, modalities such as the yoga and the aromatherapy and the emotional freedom technique and Reiki and all of that, because I I recognized that it was more on an energetic level that Mm -hmm. people could not take care of themselves the way they wanted to. It wasn't black and white, like just eat more kale and drink more water and and don't eat sugar and and go to bed by, you know, 10, 11 o'clock at night. Those, those are basic common sense things. I think that people are aware of now that they, they need to be prioritizing their veggies and, you know, hydrating themselves more. It's more like, why aren't you doing those things? You know, right. why, why isn't that, why don't you love yourself and respect yourself enough to do the common decency things for yourself? You know, like why, why does it have to be that you're in pain in order to eat properly? Like, why can't that just be a fundamental thing? Like, Oh, I, I want to be healthy. So I'm going to prioritize that, you know? And, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's really more wanting to be in support of individuals, um, betterment that them wanting to love themselves a little bit more. So I just wanted to share how we got to that space, which is, is most closely about being a, a role model for my kid. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I know you I, wanted to talk about the motherhood thing. So I wanted to yes, segue there. <laughs> no, that was, yes, that was perfect actually. Um, because that's exactly what I wanted to ask you. And um, I don't think that when we've talked uh, privately, I don't think, um, or maybe you have mentioned it to me that the main thing that really flipped the switch for you was when you started to think about having kids potentially. Yes. And the funny thing is that that's actually very similar. That's like a very similar thing as to what happened with me. Mm -hmm. And I remember it 
pretty vividly because I think I was in a cab with friends um, going out to party. (laughs) And I don't know what happened, but for some weird reason, as I'm sitting in the cab and I'm just looking at my surroundings, something in my head clicks. Mm. And it was just like how you said, like literally just like a switch. And all of a sudden I felt overwhelmed with a ton of emotion Mm -hmm. and all these racing thoughts about, oh my God, wait a second, what am I doing? Like, yeah, I mean, I was excited to go out, but at the same time I was like, hold on a second. Like I have thyroid issues. Yeah. I've been on medication since I was 10 years old for my thyroid. I know um, that, you know, because of my underactive thyroid, I have a very low chance of getting pregnant Mm -hmm. um, if it's not managed. And my personal goal to myself was that I really wanted to figure out all these issues that I had going on with my thyroid, my cholesterol, but in particular my thyroid, because I know thyroid is hormonal and it's related to infertility. And I read a lot of articles about how a lot of women that are have hypothyroidism tend to be um, not able to have kids. Totally. And that would, you know, I used to read a lot about that and it would freak me out. Mm-hmm. And I guess in that moment, realizing what I was doing and maybe all those, uh, like all that stuff that I was educating myself on finally hit me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa, what am I doing? I'm literally it living in the most toxic body I can possibly be in for with all of my conditions mm-hmm. and what I want. I was like, wait a second, like I want to have kids. I want to be able to have kids. I don't want to take medication. I don't want to depend on medication. And that fear of not having potentially not having being able to have kids in the future terrified me. Yeah. And I think that was the beginning to when I finally then later a couple of weeks after that made the decision to completely um change my life mm. and figure out how to stop taking my medication for my thyroid, how to heal my thyroid naturally, which I have done. And I haven't been taking my medication for almost three years now, knock on wood, which is incredible, but Mm -hmm. very similar to you. It's like, how am I possibly going to be able to house another human being in this body if it's toxic? Right. Absolutely. Yeah, I I definitely can identify entirely with that. In fact, I feel when I say speaking to your audience right now, when I say that our journeys mm-hmm. are linear, it's like really serious. I know, right? <laughs> because I also sustain thyroid issues. Um, and I corrected my thyroid um, through diet. Uh, mm-hmm. And of course, as soon as I got pregnant, um, you know, e- everything goes out the window. Like you don't know how your body is going to respond when you, when you do end up conceiving. It's mm-hmm. when you face thyroid issues, hormonal issues, and um, in the first trimester, like it's you find out so many new things about how your body is going to operate during the pregnancy. And a lot of women will attest to the fact that when you're in your first trimester, um, you crave a lot of carbohydrates. And it, obviously, that's an energy source. You crave a lot of uh, carbohydrates and a lot of protein because that's what human matter is built on. 
right? Obviously, mm-hmm. as well as fat, but you know, you, you crave a lot of women will notice that they crave meat, in, which is crazy when you're more plant based. So it's like weird when you when you're mostly <laughs> person like the two of us are, and all of a sudden you're like, I want burgers, and you're like, what is that about? Um, <laughs> and then also when you're grain free and gluten free, because that's what you have to be when you have right. you know autoimmune thyroid issues. And you're like, oh, I just want carbs. So of course, I started eating lots of wheat because I just I was honoring what my body wanted, and my thyroid was skyrocketing. My my TSH levels was all over the place. Um, really? So, yeah, and it was terrifying. Of course, you oh know. Oh my like, god! I had really cool midwives that were like, you know, we, we want to track this with you, but you need to see an endocrinologist. And then of course, you go to an endocrinologist, wow. and they're like, well, you need to be on Synthroid. And I'm like, there's no way I'm going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, no way. Like we 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 passed that. <laughs> We're done with that, folks. So I was just like, All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna hunker down here, and I'm going to go completely grain free again, and just go ham with the with the um, iodine with seaweed because seaweed mm-hmm. is the most potent source of iodine on the planet. And I was ugh, I was every morning I was drinking seaweed <laughs> juice. I would call it um, just so I could manage it, and I did. It was not fun, wow. but I, yeah. And it, it, so you never know is my point when, when you get pregnant, um, you know, how everything can be affected. And, but I have such a healthy, happy, strong seven month old boy. So it was, oh. all, it was all very worth it. Um, and you, it, it's just important to stay grounded and rooted, um, in what your priorities are, what matters most to you, because obviously in the allopathic medical community, which serves its purpose. I'm not here to chastise it. Um, you know, they want what's easiest and safest for you and the baby. Um, you know, they wanted me to be on synthetic hormone and I absolutely refused and I was able to get it under control. So you got to trust your intuition, which is hard for a lot of people because in our society with the conditioning, they, they want us to be as dumbed down as possible so that we can be controlled, but I'm not going to go on a tangent about that. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, yeah, I completely agree with you. I think um, that was also like my biggest fear is, you know, one day when I do want to have children, it's like, okay, now I've been able to control my thyroid, you know, myself, but what's going to happen when you get pregnant. And so I think um, you have a really beautiful testimony and it's really nice being able to hear your version of it and like, just hear about like what you went through during your uh, pregnancy and the things that you were craving and what did you notice when you ate certain things and then stopped eating certain things? Because, um, the truth is that there's a lot of women out there who are doing what me and you are doing. And I think it just takes a, you know, that extra step to be curious and to go and research and not just listen to what you're being told by one person. And, that I think is the most important thing because I will attest to the fact that I, like I said, I've been going to doctors since I was 10. Every single doctor I've ever went to has always said that I will never get off of my um, thyroid medication. Um, and I have proven all of them wrong. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, and, and it was all because I literally just looked up other people like you and I who had put their testimonies out and on like blogs or like there's the, um, what is it called? The hypothyroid mom. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I Quit Sugars by Sarah Wilson. She talks a lot about um, thyroid health. Uh, I mean, th- th- there's a ton of sources. And there's a lot of women that are like us that do exist that have been able to heal their thyroids because you can heal your thyroid. It's not true that you can't. And so I don't know why it's always portrayed as such a matter of fact thing, like yes and no, because that's not true. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely not true. So let's not ever accept that for, I I mean, I'm always saying to my clients and my friends and and family members, just get a second opinion. You know, it's just, exactly. can't just be a blanket statement from one person. You know, there's, there's so many different routes to pursue in, in healing. So I totally agree. Plus, what do you lose if you get a second opinion, right? Um, you just get to meet another doctor and then maybe they're more in tune with you and what you, your goals are and you decide that you actually want to keep working with them. But you'll never know if you don't go out and get that second opinion or even that third opinion sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I totally agree with you. And so what has it been like as a mommy? Uh, I mean, honestly, motherhood has been the the greatest honor of this entire lifetime for me. Um, It's so interesting to go from never thinking that I was going to be a parent, not because I didn't think I was capable, but because I just, children used to annoy me. Like I'm going to (laughs) be honest, but it's just so different when it's, your own. It, it, um, you know, when I, when I was really focused on becoming a better version of myself so that I could not only be in in support of my clients, but also of of my child, it was just like, I kind of want to be, now this might sound terrible, but I'm going to say it anyways. I wanted to be a parent that I always wanted and not in, not in the sense that I I wanted to be like, you know, a, a playful, you know, friend type of, um, you know, like I don't want to be, I didn't want to be like a buddy to my, my child. I wanted to be like a disciplinarian that was nurturing and present. Um, you know, my dad worked really, really, really hard. Um, so he wasn't around very much and I didn't have a relationship with my mother at all. Um, so mm. I wanted to be a very loving and nurturing and present, um, and stable parent for my child. So that, and my motive really more than anything going into this practice was I would love for my, my children to grow up in a society that's a lot safer than the one that we grew up in. Uh, (laughs) You know, there's mental health is like a really scary issue right now. And you know, know. one thing that I always say is like hurt people, hurt people. They they take their hurt out on Mm -hmm. others. So if we could just get it from that, you know, that infantile stage of really loving on people and, and showing them their worth and, and showing them that they deserve to feel whole and complete and loved, then they won't grow up being abusive and bullying towards others because it has that ripple effect, right? You know, yes. like when, when a child doesn't feel good about themselves, they take it out on other children. And then when they become an adult, they take it out on other adults so I, I would love for my child to be a better representation of, of what a, a, a healthy, healthy and well-developed child could be into an adult. So that's why if I could help 
um, you know, people in our generation be more conscious when they are conceiving and raising kids, then hopefully mm-hmm. the next generation will be a little bit more loved and nurtured um, than, than our generation would be. So, you know, being a mom means constantly self-reflecting. That's really what it is more than anything. When you catch yourself doing things that are not responsible for you or responsible for others, when, when you want to be selfish or when you want to go back into your pattern of being, um, you know, as I like to say it, just bratty, you know, just, just being, making it about ego, making it about yourself. Like you have to, you, you, it's an opportunity to reflect and, and change. That's, that's what being a parent, that's what being a conscious parent is. It's like, okay, I see what I'm doing there. That (laughs) is not healthy. That is not ideal. And I'm going to have to shift this so that my child does not absorb it, does not become this element of myself that I don't really love, you know, it's, and it's hard, it's ugly. Like we have mood swings, we have really unhealthy, um, behavioral patterns that we are stuck in when it, whether it comes to the, the way that we act out or the way that we um, communicate ourselves or don't communicate ourselves. It, 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 there's just a lot of flaws. We're human beings. That's, that's how it is in life. And if you don't seize the opportunity to catch yourself and transmute it, then, then you're absolutely unequivocally burdening your child with your own crap and they don't deserve it. So it, it's right. Yeah. Parenting is, is, uh, a lot of work, but so worthwhile (laughs) because then you get to be a better version of yourself and you get to teach your, your offspring to be better versions of themselves as well. I think you said that so beautifully and I couldn't agree more with every single word that you just said. Um, because it is learning how to be, um, you know, selfless mm-hmm. and not, you know, putting that new life before you right. um, and realizing that y- whatever you do is going to like, that's what your child is going to pick up and they're going to yeah. mimic it mm-hmm. automatically. And so being super um, just kind of, you know, cautious of every single thing that you're doing and making sure that you are raising them in a way that when they go out into the world, they will be able to tell right from wrong. Exactly. And I think that's the most important thing um, or that I have heard from almost every single parent that I have spoken to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. Um, yeah. So uh, the last question I wanted to ask you. Sure. So before we close this out, if you could give some advice to someone who, you know, really wants to start their health journey, but they're also scared because, you know, they don't want to lose friends and they're not sure how their family is going to react to it. Mm-hmm. Um, what advice would you give to them? Um. Okay. That's a really great question. Uh, the advice I would give to someone like that would be do not lead your life trying to meet the expectations of others. 
you are on, everyone needs to understand that they're here to accomplish what matters most to them. And we all have very different varying priorities. So if it's important to you to get healthy and feel your best and look your best, then stand solid in what what your convictions are. You don't need to be accepted or understood by anybody else just to appease them because that is exactly what will cause you to have anxiety. When you do not honor what your soul or your heart, whatever you want to call it, your, your higher, your higher self, you're being Mm -hmm. guided towards doing something that will better you than just, just go for it. Don't, don't feel like you have to meet the expectations of others or it will only make you feel worse. So that I, I found time and time again, when it comes to anxiety, it is derived from always wanting to appease others. A lot Mm. of people are going to have to trip up and learn the hard way and that's fine. Go for it. I, as a new mom and not always saying the most favorable or popular opinions in my practice, because I do think it makes a huge difference when you eat candy and junk during your pregnancy or, and, or while you're breastfeeding the whole time, because it's going to be harder for your child to eat food that is more abundant in nutrition. And you think the other moms out there who are always eating on the run and just trying to do the best they can, that they want to hear that from me? No, they they, they know that they should be eating more vegetables and and being a better role model to their child. But I'm still going to do what I know is best for myself and the people that I'm I'm modeling for. So it's just important to have a really solid base in what what matters most to you and, and, and just feel good about that. I think I'm like literally sitting here and just listening to you and nodding. (laughs) I know no one can see me, but I'm like, yes. uh Uh-huh. Yes. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. (laughs) Um, I think you answered, I mean, you, that was like the perfect answer. I, there's literally nothing else for me to add. Um, And I 100% agree with you and tell everyone where they can find you. Sure. Thank you. Um, So I have a website. It's uh, ashleysperber.com. It's being revamped right now because a lot of it is heavily focused on nutrition and fitness and the self-care and spiritual element that I focus on is, has not been really highlighted there. So stay tuned for an update, but ashleysperber.com. Uh, you can always reach me there or on Instagram, Ashley Sperber Health, or on Facebook, Ashley Sperber Health. Ashley, thank you so much again for doing this with me. Um, I just want to say I really respect your authenticity and just, you know, always sharing your story and sharing your story, even with your clients and being super honest with them, even if it's not something that they might want to hear. Like something that I really love about you is that you don't sugarcoat things. You just say it how it is. And (laughs) I have so much respect for that because I really uh, love when people do that because I'm the same way. I think it's not helpful to sugarcoat. I think that if 
there's a problem, then it needs to be addressed because otherwise we're just going to be living in a passive aggressive society (laughs) if we're all going to be doing that. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, And thank you again for doing this. I will leave all the links to your uh, website and to your Instagram handle on when I, on the bottom in the bio (laughs) for anyone listening, you can click there And thank you everyone for tuning into the Naturally Nino podcast. 